We thank you for visiting Christian Bible Temple and pray the following message speaks to your heart. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 1, this is what the Word of God says. Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which, uh, which the Lord erected, and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law who served the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises." May the Lord bless this, the reading of His Holy Word. You may be seated. In weeks past, we have been, we have been covering the truth about the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is our high priest. In this chapter, we're going to see that Christ is not only the high priest, but he is a better high priest, ministering under a better covenant. This chapter, chapter 8, will show that Jesus Christ's priesthood is better than the Levitical priesthood because it is based on a better covenant. A covenant is a pact or an agreement. Okay? And this is the new covenant. The new covenant. Which is not, surprisingly, in the New Testament. The new covenant is in the Old Testament. Okay? We're going to see that in due time. But it is based on a better covenant, the new covenant, not the Mosaic covenant. The Mosaic covenant was temporary, and the new covenant is eternal. Always bear that in mind. A lot of Christians are confused, thinking that we have to go back and observe the old covenant, the uh, Mosaic law. The Mosaic law was never given for the church. The Mosaic law was given for Israel. All right? So, um, we, we spoke about this in the past, so I'm not going to continue repeating the same things again and again. But the thing is that the, the, the old covenant passed away with the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. When he cried out, it is finished. Okay? Now, why is he a better high priest and a better covenant? Because of the better priestly service he performs. And that's what we're going to be covering today, the first six verses of the chapter, which, which tell us, in summary, that the Lord Jesus is, um, has a better priestly service. 
that he performs, a better priestly service that he performs. Jesus Christ has a better ministry, better covenant, and better promises. Okay? So here the writer begins by summarizing what he has been saying so far in chapters 6 and 7, okay? Um, stressing the main or chief point, which is, look what it says there. Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. Which is the main point? The main point is that we have such a high priest. We have such a high priest. Okay? As the one described in the previous chapter, in verse uh, chapter 7, in verse 26. You remember there that it says that for such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. That could never be said of any earthly high priest. Only of Jesus, the Messiah. Okay? So here we see that we have such a high priest. Jesus Christ is God's superior high priest. Nothing can minimize his superiority. He is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And he ministers under a better covenant. Chapter 8 will tell us that he's ministering under a better covenant. Then chapter 9 is going to tell us that he's ministering under in a better sanctuary. And then chapter 10 is going to tell us that he is better because he offered a better sacrifice. Amen? So if you can summarize that in your... Minds, chapter 8, a better covenant. Chapter 9, a better sanctuary. He's ministering the sanctuary up in heaven. The real sanctuary, not the copy that was down here. Okay? And his sacrifice is better, a better sacrifice because it's better, higher, superior in the sacrifice of animals. Now, first of all, he is seated at the right hand of the Father because his work is finished. If you look at the model of the tabernacle that we have here, okay, you'll see that there were no seats in the tabernacle. And there were no seats in the temple. Okay? The priests who ministered there never sat down. Why? Because their work was never done. It was a continuous sacrifices after day after day, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. Okay? There were no seats in the earthly tabernacle because the work of the priests were never finished. It was a reminder that animal sacrifices could never bring salvation because they did not wash away sin or cleanse the guilty conscience. And that's why they had to be offered year after year, day after day, all the time, not ending. Okay? Because if they had been able to do that, there would have been no need to offer sacrifices again and again and again and again. Okay? The only 
They only covered sin. That's why it's called Yom Kippur. In the Hebrew means the day of the covering. Because the animal sacrifices, they only covered the sin, symbolically that is, until the perfect sacrifice was going was offered 1,500 years later. Okay, the sacrifice of Jesus. They only covered sin until the day Christ sacrificed himself on the cross for the world's sin. So when you know that, then you can understand better what you read in the Gospel of John, I hope, chapter 1, verse 29, when John the Baptist sees him come and he says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Notice that it says, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, not that covers the sin of the world. Amen? When you got saved, the Lord Jesus Christ took your sin away from you. Like David says in the Psalms, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Haven't covered our transgressions. Has removed our transgressions. A lot of Christians live in defeat because they cannot understand that principle. Okay? The Lord Jesus Christ took your sin away the moment you put your faith and trust in Him. Not before. Okay? And this is why Jesus sat at the right hand of the Father. Why did He sit down? When do we sit down? Do we sit down while we're working? Or do we sit down when the work is done? When it's done, right? Like Hatrudis, after you cook for the whole mob up there in, uh, um, what is it, Pine Bush, right? You have 129 people in the house to feed. After all that work is done, then Hatrudis sits down. Not before. So that's why Jesus Christ sat down at the right hand of the Father. Because on the cross, he exclaimed, it is finished. What is finished? The work of redemption. The completion of the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant. It is finished. The teleste. One word in the Greek. The teleste. Okay? So... Here we see that this is in fulfillment of the Father's declaration in Psalm 110, which we covered a few times. Okay? It's a messianic psalm written under the law, because it was written by King David, and where it says there, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit on my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Sit at my right hand. Who's the one who asked the Messiah to sit? Who? God the Father. Because when you read that in the Hebrew, it says, Yahweh said to I, my Adonai. My Yahweh said, the, the Yahweh said to my Adonai. God said to my Lord. The Father said to the Son, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. 
Okay, so that's where the Lord Jesus Christ is today. For two reasons. Number one, he's interceding for us. He's a high priest. And number two, he's there. That's his position of honor until the Father makes all his enemies his footstool. And that's coming. Sooner than you think. Sooner than you contemplate. He's coming. And all the nonsense that we are seeing these days will end. Praise God. Okay? No high priest of Israel ever sat down and much less on a throne. Only a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Okay? Who was both priest and king. Only one, and we all know who that one is. We cover it time and again. For this Melchizedek, it says, King of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. That's who Jesus is like. Oh, I should say Melchizedek is an illustration of who Jesus is. Jesus is now exalted to the highest. Open with me one second, please, to the book of Philippians, chapter 2. The book of Philippians, chapter 2. And go to verse 5. This is the only theological section of the book of Philippians. Everything else is practical. It says in chapter 2, verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, <clears throat> who being, <coughs> excuse me, who being in the form of God, did not consider a robbery to be equal with God. Did not consider a robbery to be what with God? Equal, not less. Like some sex tell us. But made himself of no reputation. That's his humility, his humiliation. Taking the form of a bond servant. And coming in the likeness of men. The son of man. And being found in appearance as a man. Was he a man? Yeah. Not only was he a man, he was a Jew. And you can tell he was a Jew. The Samaritan woman identified him as such. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. This is his total humiliation. Therefore God, that is the Father, also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now let me tell you something. If Jesus is not God, then God is commanding us here to commit idolatry. Because no one is to be worshipped other than God. And we worship Jesus because he is God. Amen? Always remember that. So, he's exalted to the highest. God, he says, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. He didn't do that on his own. He, the Father did that. Okay? 
and he ministers in a better sanctuary, in the true tabernacle which the Lord erected, and not man. It tells us here in Hebrews, if you go back with me to Hebrews chapter 8, it says, We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. He is ministering in the true tabernacle, not in the earthly copy that Moses erected in the wilderness. The earthly tabernacle erected by Moses by the command of God was only a copy of the true heavenly one. Jesus is ministering in the one the Lord himself erected, and not man. Jesus sits on the throne of God, not on, on, on any earthly throne, ruling from heaven, not from Jerusalem. And that's what verses 1 and 2 just finished telling us. So, now in verse 3, the writer gives proof of Jesus' exalted ministry. Look what it says in verse 3. For every high priest, those are the earthly high priests, is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. That was their role. That's what they were supposed to do. That's why they were priests, to offer sacrifices okay, and gifts. Therefore, it is necessary that the one also, that this one also have something to offer. In order to be a priest, you have to sacrifice. In order to be a priest, you have to give a gift according to the law, right? So, here it tells us that um, his readers, uh, he, he says something that his readers very well knew because they were all Jews. He's writing to Jews. That's why it's called the Epistle to the Hebrews. Okay? They all knew this, that every high priest offers sacrifices. Okay? And that was true at the time of the writing of this epistle. Look, look again. It's important to always examine carefully the word of God, especially the verbs. Look what it says here. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. It does not say, for every high priest was appointed. That's important. It gives us a detail here. Okay? It tells us that there was still a real temple standing in Jerusalem at the time the epistle was written. In other words, the book of Hebrews was written very shortly before the destruction of the temple. In 70 AD. Maybe one, two, three years earlier. Okay? And so we see that there was a real temple still standing in Jerusalem. And there the priest offered gifts and sacrifices. The argument here is that since priests offer sacrifices. And having already determined that Jesus is a priest. He too has something to offer. Now, what Jesus has to offer, we're going to cover later when we get to chapter 9 and chapter 10, okay? Now, Jesus' ministry as the Messiah could be either earthly or heavenly. But, it cannot be earthly. Why not? Look what it says here, verse 4. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest. 
since there are priests, again, important. It doesn't say since there were, but since there are. In other words, when the writer of Hebrews is writing, there were still offering sacrifices in the temple, though the Lord had already finished. I mean, he had completed, fulfilled the Mosaic law. But since the nation did not believe, they rejected him, they continued with the sacrifices. They continued. And it was like the Lord saying, okay, since you don't get the message, I'll help you. And he allowed the temple to be destroyed. So when he destroyed the temple, did the sacrifices cease? They have for 2,000 years. And there's still no sacrifices in Israel. They're, they're talking about rebuilding the temple and all that. And we know that's the tribulation temple. The one that the Antichrist is going to sit in. Not the millennial temple. Because that temple is going to be destroyed again. Okay? But we know that Listen, the Lord told us all these things before, way before they came to, to pass, before they happened. Okay? If he were on earth, if the Lord Jesus Christ were on earth, he would not be a priest since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law. The Levitical priests were officiating in the earthly tabernacle according to the Mosaic law. Also, since Jesus was not of the tribe of Levi, but of the tribe of Judah, he could not be a priest on earth. See, the Lord was not going to violate his own law. He was never a priest while he was on earth. Oh, I know he prayed, but that's called intercession. He was not offering sacrifices for his believers, his disciples. Okay? He was never a priest. And we said that last week. He was not a priest until the moment of his resurrection and ascension. He became a priest when he went up to heaven. He ascended right after his resurrection and he presented the sacrifice of blood. His own blood. That's the sacrifice before the throne of the Father in the heavenly tabernacle. Therefore, his ministry must be in the heavenly tabernacle. And again, we're going to be covering that when we get to chapter 9. Okay? The next chapter. Now, however... Jesus is not offering continuous sacrifices in the heavenly tabernacle. What kind of sacrifices did the, the high priests and the priests offer here on earth? Continuous. All the time. Going on and on and every day in and day out. Sacrifices. Never ending. How many of you came from the church? Didn't you get tired of it? Every time you went to the mess. Santa Maria, Madre de Dios. Do you know what the meaning of the mass is? Most Catholics don't know. Because they never tell them. The mass, ladies and gentlemen and young people, the mass is a sacrifice. So every time they hold Mass, they're sacrificing Jesus over and over and over again. Now, how many Catholic churches are there throughout the world? In other words, they're offering sacrifice every second of the day. 
And the Bible tells us, told us already in the last chapter, chapter 7, verse 25, that he offered himself once for all. Don't tell me that's not blasphemy. It's not just a service. It's sacrifice. Because when they consecrate the host, they believe that the priest has the power to change that wafer into the body and blood of Jesus. But when they take it, they're cleansed. How can a piece of hardened flour and water cleanse your sins? It's like those churches who believe that you, you, when you get baptized in water, that's when your sins are cleansed. How can something physical cleanse something spiritual? That's just a picture. It's a symbolism. The Lord's Supper is here today. We're not taking this in order to be cleansed. We're taking it because we have been cleansed. Big difference. This do in remembrance of me. This is a memorial. We remember what he did for us on the cross. This does not become the body and the blood of Jesus. And he made it very clear in the Gospel of John. The words that I speak are unto you are spirit. The flesh avails nothing. Because they believe in transubstantiation. Now that's not in the Bible. That's an invention from Rome. Is that clear? You need to learn that. You need to know that. So when you meet your Catholic friends, you talk to them. You talk to them in love, for sure. You talk, talk to them kindly. Don't put down what they believe. Because remember that once you were in darkness too. You got to come down to their level and say, you know, this is, you know, explain to them in love. And that's how they respond. Okay? This is going to be the end of you. So here we see. <coughs> Jesus went, <coughs> excuse me, went to heaven. He offered the sacrifice, his sacrifice, his own flesh and blood, right there. One time, that was it. Jesus is not offering continuous sacrifices in the heavenly tabernacle as the priests offered in the earthly tabernacle. The something to offer is singular in the Greek language. So when you read here in chapter 4, um, I'm sorry, chapter th uh, verse 3. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. In the Greek, that's singular, not plural. In other words, he offered one thing because that was all that was needed. Okay? And the tense of the verb, it's in the aorist tense, implying a once-for-all sacrifice, which of course refers to his own sacrifice on the cross. The sacrifice that ended all sacrifices because it is perfect. That's why he was able to exclaim on the cross, it is finished. His sacrifice is perfect. Jesus is a living sacrifice in heaven. 
It is unnecessary for him to offer himself over and over and over again. Now, in verse 5 of our text, it says, Who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle, for he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. The writer here discusses the earthly tabernacle as the copy and shadow of the heavenly one. You see that tabernacle there? That's a model of the tabernacle of Moses in the desert. But the tabernacle of Moses in the desert, in turn, is a copy of the tabernacle in heaven. Okay? The earthly tabernacle is but a type of the heavenly one. A type in, is an Old Testament picture of a New Testament truth. Let me repeat that. A type is an Old Testament picture of a New Testament truth. The word pattern is type, typos in the Greek. The priest then serving in the temple was serving in a sanctuary that was a copy of the heavenly sanctuary. And the quotation at the end of uh, verse 5 here, where it says, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you, or the type shown you on the mountain. Those are, that's a quotation from Exodus chapter 25, verse 40, where Moses was instructed by God to make all things according to the, pa the pattern or type shown you in the mountain. Uh, this emphasizes the basic pattern and meaning of the heavenly sanctuary of which the earthly was but a type. Now, the earthly tabernacle was governed by very rigid laws, so much that even Moses could not break them. They were very strict. Yet, it was only a copy of the heavenly tabernacle, a general outline without the details. For this reason, the earthly must yield to the heavenly, the type <coughs> to the real thing, the temporal to the eternal. Therefore, the system that rested on a temporary conditional covenant had to give way to a system resting on an unconditional eternal covenant. Now, for this reason, these Jewish believers were urged to remain faithful to Jesus, the Messiah, and not go back to Judaism. Now, for us today, it's so easy to say, oh, well, yeah, I understand, you know, um, all that old economy past. But just picture yourself living in those times. These people living then when the epistle was written, they still had in front of their faces the temple. They still had the, 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 the sacrifices going on. So it was very easy to be tempted to go back. For us Gentiles, it's not easy because we would never belong to that. So we see here that there was a tremendous pressure from their um, co-religionists, co if you please that, the compatriots, for them to go back to that. They were under persecution. And many of them were tempted to go back. We said that at the beginning of the epistle. So that's why the epistle was written, to encourage these believers to go on with Jesus and not go back to an old system. That was about ready to expire. Now, um, 
believers were urged to remain faithful to Jesus, the Messiah, and not go back to rabbinical Judaism. You know, palpable things, you know what a palpable thing is? What's a palpable thing? Something you can touch. Okay? Palpable things may seem real, but they are just copies of the real. In chapter 1 of, of Romans, the Apostle Paul <coughs> tells us that <coughs> the things which are seen were created from, uh, are from things that, that are not seen. And in the book of Colossians, in chapter 2, verse 17, it says, um, Let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, holidays, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Okay, those are they were, they were just a shadow, a shadow. And in our epistle, it says, "For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect." That's exactly what we're saying here. Okay, so in light of uh, if light and truth came by Jesus Christ, like we're told in the Gospel of John, why then go back to shadows and copies? And that's what religions do. Religions, they throw at you a whole bunch of symbolisms, rituals, traditions. What does this mean? Oh, this means this. That means that. Well, why not, why not go to the real thing? What would you rather have, a picture or the person? Right? Now, some people I know that you probably would like much better to have the picture than the person. But that's not the point. The point is that we all like to have real things. What would you rather have, a picture of an apple or the apple itself? An apple, right? A picture, if you don't like apples, a picture of a nice steak or a steak. Oh, right? To put it in Guatemalan terms, a picture of a fajita or the real thing? Tamal, right? Yes, absolutely. So, religion, remember this, no religion takes you to heaven. People say, oh, all religions lead to the same place. Yep, they do. I agree. But they don't lead to heaven. You want to know where they lead? See me after the service. I'll tell you. I'll tell you now. They lead to hell. Because they're man-made. And if they contradict the word of God, flee. Flee. I grew up in a culture filled with traditions. And you ask the priests, why this, why that? Oh, this is, you know, a mystery, first of all. The second thing is, uh, this is, we do it because of this. And it makes no sense at all. Now, Greeks, when they celebrate Passover or Easter, if you please, they dye eggs red. Now, why do we dye eggs red? Now, you who are raised in the West here, 
and don't come from the Eastern Orthodox, uh, you know, background, you're a bunch of pagans because you, the, the eggs that you dye, you dye them with diverse colors. We Greeks are very biblical. We dye them red. Now, why do you dye them red? Well, because that's the blood of Jesus. Well, that doesn't mean a hill of beans. And they go around crushing eggs. Christos Anesti. That's a tradition. Go to any Greek church and ask them on the day if they were celebrating Easter and they're singing Christos Anesti, Christ is risen. Ask them, where is Jesus now? I have no idea. Like a friend of my sister told me, uh, you know, not a few weeks back, you really believe that you're going to see your mother again? I said, of course I do. What do you think? Why do you sing Christos Anesti? If he did not resurrect, then you know what we are? We are of most men the most miserable. So what are we doing here? Wasting our time. Because there is no resurrection. Christ is not risen. Your sins have not been forgiven. You will die in your sins. So let's go out there. Eat, drink, be merry. Let's go dancing. El merengue, la pachanga, and all that kind of stuff. So tomorrow we die. And that's what the Apostle Paul really is telling us in 1 Corinthians 15, which is the resurrection chapter. It's that very argument. <clears throat> Fools, he calls them. Hmm? The reason why we're here is because Christ is risen. And we have a living high priest. Alive forevermore in heaven. Huh? We see so far three pieces of evidence about the superiority of the new covenant. It has a superior priest, Jesus, and this priest is ministering in a superior place, heaven itself. And where he offered a superior sacrifice, the sacrifice of himself. Now the last verse here, verse 6. In this verse we have the conclusion. Because it says, but now. But now. He has obtained a more excellent ministry. Jesus serves in heaven in a more excellent ministry. Okay? And the Greek word here is not service, but it's liturgia, which means the liturgy. Okay? This ministry is better because it is based on a better covenant, a better pact, which is the theme for the rest of this chapter 8. And this covenant was established on better promises. 
That is, its basis, it's better. And this covenant is, like I said before, the new covenant. Or as we would call it today, the New Testament. But again, the New Testament is not in the New Testament. It is in the New Testament, but it doesn't begin in the New Testament. The New Covenant is in the Old Testament. Wouldn't you like to know where? Yeah? Come next Sunday. Every covenant required a mediator. Moses was the mediator of the Old Covenant and Aaron its first priest. But Jesus is both the mediator. That's why the Apostle Paul tells us in Timothy, 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He's the only mediator. Never forget that. And not only he's the mediator, like Moses was of the Old Covenant, but he's also the priest. And let me say this. He is the first and last priest. It's not like the Levitical order. They had one priest after another, after another, after another. One priest, that's it. Which is superior to the old because it rests on better promises. The Mosaic Covenant was based upon the law. It promised blessing for obedience and cursing or judgment for disobedience, even death. The New Covenant, on the other hand, is based upon grace and it imparts righteousness to the believer. Better is the keynote okay, of the book of Hebrews and proves to these Jewish believers that Christ is better than Judaism. As a matter of fact, Christ is better than any religion. The Lord Jesus Christ did not come down to this earth to give us religion. He came down here to give us salvation. And to teach us to have a personal relationship with the Father. Do you have that kind of relationship with the Father? Can you call him my Father? Do you identify with him as your Father? Have you ever accepted Christ in your heart as your Lord and Savior? Because until then, nothing makes sense. He is the sense of everything. And because he is God, we worship him. So I challenge you to make sure you have a true relationship with him. Because he is the only one who knows. He's the only one who understands. He is the only one that can meet your every need and is the only one who can forgive you all your sins no one else so why not come to him and have a close relationship with him day in and day out not a matter of knowing about Jesus. It's a matter of knowing Jesus. Big difference. We thank you for listening to this message and pray that the Word of God spoke to your heart. To listen to previous sermons, 
please visit us at www.cbttbc.com or anchor.fm forward slash cbt hyphen sermons.